What's up? This is Brandon London, and you're listening to the Big Blue UK and Ireland podcast. You hear that? The Big Blue UK and Ireland podcast. Let's go, Giants. Good evening, welcome back, Giants fans, to the latest therapy edition of the Big Blue UK and Ireland podcast. In association with Andy's Man Club, lads, it's okay to talk. Uh, this week we are 100% British, but absolutely still 100% Giants. It's Dan, Shane and producer Craig back with you to, like I said, bring you our second therapy session of the season. As the Giants are now 0-3 in primetime games this year. Lads, do I really need to ask how you doing? Um, probably not. I'd, I'd need to get like something cleared up first of all, though. Um, so on last week's episode, episode one one eight, the Seahawks preview, I was inc- incorrectly referred to as a brummie. I refute those comments. I am not a brummie, and if I'm referred to as a brummie again, I will be seeking some form of legal action. I am not. A <laughs> what was it you said? We oh, should call was... you? Say again. A yam yam, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, a yam yam, right? Yeah, I'm a yam yam. I mean, Sorry. I've never heard that term before in my life, um, but I do. I sincerely apologise, Shane. Um, it, there, no offence was meant, no ill will. No, I don't have any sort of um, anything towards you. Not being from Birmingham, you're from the Black Country. Um, you are a yam yam, not a brummy. So, my sincerest apologies to you, Shane, and to anyone else that I may or may not have offended by calling you a brummy. <laughs> Craig, how do you mate? <laughs> you know what? I think I needed that. It's, uh, it's, it's been a get tough, in. It's been a it's been a, t- a tough few days, hasn't it? I don't know. I don't know about anybody else, but ever since we've been doing this, like the Giants control my emotions, something chronic, and it's it's horrible. Like I've been a right miserable bastard the last couple of days, just because it's just embarrassing at times you know we're going to get into it we, like you said it's a bit of a therapy session so um you know might get a bit blue tonight there's no Davina McCall don't say fuck or bugger tonight it's uh it's it's all avenues open I think really because it needs to be yeah man it absolutely needs to be um you know tie into tie into the fact that you know I go to Old Trafford last night and we give away the lead and lose to Galatasaray in the Champions League. They, it's been a fucking great two or three days for me, mate. You know, and the the mad thing is, sport does determine your mood. If you're that much of a sport fan, like we, like we all three of us are, and Kev, we know is as well. You know, sports do determine like your mood, and, and I don't think if you're if you're not that into sport, you won't understand. Um, it just it it really does affect you, and you know, setting the week off. And on a bad note, by losing on Monday night, it's it's it does sort of carry on, and then you know I'd lose on Tuesday night. That, that sort of carries on even further, and it, you know it almost feels like an. I mean, I'm almost in in the boat of how you feel, Shane. Sometimes as a, as an Albion fan, and how you feel sometimes, Craig, as a Red and a Leeds fan. It's like I'm starting to feel that now as a bloody United fan. So you know, it's yeah. I mean, I think some therapy is definitely needed tonight. Um. 
Looking forward to getting into it as as usual. I feel for Steve at the bottom there. So excited for my trip to New York for the Washington game to watch the likely one and five Giants. I mean, I mean, Steve, Steve, what what could the record be by the time we go to New York for the Patriots game? I mean, this is what we were saying the other day in the group chat, wasn't it? It's like as I, I said, like best case scenario, I think probably three and eight. Um, I mean, in all honesty, I just wanted to put one and ten. But I thought, no, no, let's be at least a little, let's be at least a little bit positive. But you know, we'll get a couple of wins in that time. I think I marked down the Jets and the Raiders as a, as a win. But even then, that's not guaranteed at the moment, is it? So, I think the worst thing is because we're on this side of the pond. Like Sunday's result, well, Monday Monday's result was shit anyway. But the fact that you have to stay up till four a.m. to watch it, I know some people like watch the highlights and that, but it's kind of like. Look, I was at the football last time. My mate went um, more good for the Giants, was he? And I was looking and went, no. He goes, just stay up and watch it. I was like, yeah. Like, this, this, this was my response. It was like, yeah, yeah. It was like, yeah. And he was like, what time did you get to bed? I was like, 4.30. Like, <laughs> you know, like, and the, the Americans suffer. And, like, they pay the money to go, like, and, and they suffer as much. But it's like, at least they, like, get home at 11 o'clock at night time. There's nothing worse. And you're, like, half four in the morning. I've stayed up to watch this shit show, which we're going to get get into short shortly. But just the time difference makes it a killer as well. I don't know about you guys as well, but like if I'm ever watching like a Reading game live, and we lose, and I get home at like half ten, and I'm on an early t- t- the next day, and I try and go to bed, the adrenaline's just kicking. Like the mm. adrenaline's so high that it's so difficult, and I think you get the same thing sometimes when you're so engrossed, like we are watching it on TV. You go to bed and you lay down and you're like, "What the fuck happened there?" Like, <laughs> there's you, no, you're sleeping. Well, usually for me, it's like I'll be like, like I did it last night and I did it after the um, the Giants game. I got in bed and I'm like, you say, I'm, I'm I'm not I'm tired, but I'm not like going straight to sleep. So I'm like, let's see what everyone's saying on Twitter or exhibit. <laughs> and I'm scrolling, and then all of a sudden it's 45 minutes later, and I'm like, shit, I was meant to go to bed and go to sleep, and I just end up like seeing people's reactions and that. And you're even angrier than you were after the game had finished. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so oh, you're, you're, you're at the point where you're like, "What's the fucking point in sleeping?" <laughs> I mean that that was that was me on Monday night. I, you know, it was gone five o'clock by the time I got to sleep, and then I woke up on Tuesday morning, and and, and Kate says to me, "Did you watch the game?" I was like, "Yep." Yeah. She's like, "Was it good?" I was like, "Waste of fucking time." <laughs> I wish I never bloody got up for it in the first place. Um, and the, um, on that, Darren, thanks for letting me know that Man City are winning. I really don't care <laughs> at this point. <laughs> at this point, but good, good for you. Good yeah. for you. Glad you, glad you get, glad you got some success in your team's winning, mate. So, uh, evening. Thanks for watching. <laughs> what are you gonna say, Greg? The um, I think the gif that I posted in the group chat was quite appropriate. That me waking up the morning after seeing like hundred or so messages from you boys, and there's just that gif from community where uh, he walks in and just everything's on fire. <laughs> he walks in with pizzas, all excited. <laughs> and that was that's the yep. naivety sometimes when you have to go to bed early is that you literally have no idea. And sometimes I'll wake up during the night and I have to fight with myself not to check it because I'm like, if I look. I ain't going back to sleep if it's shit. And if it's good, I'm going to want to turn it on and I'm not going back to sleep. So I can't do it. So it literally was a case of, right, I'll open the group chat. And the first thing I saw was Dan had put, don't watch that. <laughs> do yourself a Don't favor. watch it. Don't Waste of time. <laughs> Waste of time. 
absolutely. Um, bubble and squeak evening. Um, I mean, I think that's how we all feel. Um, you know, well, again, we'll, we'll get into that shortly. But the, the the fact that we came out of the Cardinals game um, on a bit of a high, and then last week was not so great. Yeah, we're all pretty deflated at the moment. Um, Shane's already doing that. He's already done his first mock draft of the of the season, so <laughs> he's um, <laughs> he's praying for a good draft. Thing, that's for sure. O-line, 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 O-line draft. <laughs> I'm literally joking joke about that. But I swear to God. Look, it's just getting me wound up already. It's fucking nine, ten months away, and I'm already like, no, don't fucking dare. Uh, I mean, it, it, it could be uh, more... It, it could be more of a discussion as we go on through the season. Um, hopefully not. Um, hopefully there's, some, there's some better things to come. We've got some already in this episode, yeah. But, I mean, there's only so much we can talk about the O-line, right? Um, but before we get into the game, um, coming up in two short weeks' time, we've got our big London meet-up at the Sports Bar and Grill in Marleybone um, for the big divisional clash against the Washington Commanders. Um, Steve, we feel your pain. Hopefully we're not 1-5 and five by the time um, we uh, meet, all meet up in London for it and by the time you head over the pond. But you never know. We could be 1-5. and five. We could be 3-3. Three and three. Who knows? <laughs> if you plan on coming along, uh, let us know by commenting on our post on Twitter or X or whatever you want to call it. It's, on, it's pinned at the top of our profile. Comment on that and we'll put your name on the shortlist and you'll be entered into a draw to win yourself some podcast merchandise or a gift voucher for usasports.co.uk and don't forget you can always use our discount voucher uh, discount code at um, usasports.co.uk to get 15% off uh, the code is big blue that's big blue to get 15% off at usasports.co.uk um, quick piece of news before um, we get cracking with the game that we want to highlight uh, previous guest uh, and friend of the pod and former first round draft pick Justin Pugh signed with the Giants practice squad uh, following his workout with the team in Arizona two weeks ago with running back Tywon Jones being released to make room for him. Um, while he gets up to speed with the team, working with the coaching staff, he'll likely remain on the practice squad. But let's hope he can bring some much-needed depth onto this offensive line that we all know continues to struggle. Um, initial thoughts on Justin Pugh signing, Craig? I, I mean... He was a phenomenal guest on the podcast and um, he kind of outlined everything that he would bring. And I don't know if anyone's actually seen it, but he's got his net worth with Justin Pugh channel where he had a five minute video on there kind of announcing the signing. Um, and I, I liked everything that he said. But the one thing that got me more than anything was when he said, you know, he was known as as the glue maker in Arizona, bringing all the offensive linemen together. So um, hopefully he can just bring a little bit of camaraderie to the to the line, and it's experience, isn't it? An experience that he needs to share because there's a lot of youngsters on that line. Fame, what are your yeah. initial thoughts? I, I think it's a signing that needed to be made. It, it was one of them that it kind of like it was. It kind of made too much sense not to do it, you know. I need. He said he feels he's got unfinished business here. Obviously, he was drafted by the Giants and he, he considers New York home. And, and it, it was absolutely fantastic having him on the pod the other week, not just for his 
Giants talk, but even like his non-football talk as well. So if any any listeners haven't listened to it, I, honestly, I do genuinely recommend go back and listening to it. But yeah, you know, hopefully he can um, be that be that leadership that we need. I don't feel like we've got a leader on the offensive line, in all honesty. I mean, someone like JMS could potentially elevate to that, but it's unfair for a rookie to have to be the leader. Um, and, you know, as good as Andrew Thomas is, he, he doesn't seem that kind of scream and shout and hold people accountable. Um, so, you know, hopefully Justin can do that because I think it, it's vastly needed. And let, let's face facts as we'll get into, you know, over the next era, over the next coming weeks, coming months, him signing can't make the old line worse. No, it's very true. You can't make it worse. Um, yeah, it's you funny, it's funny you say we don't have a leader on the offensive line. I, I get that feeling too as well. Um, like you said, as good as Andrew Thomas is, you know, he's been on the sideline for the last couple of weeks and you don't, don't really see him getting involved that much. He just sort of stands to the side, keeps himself to himself and, you know, lets him go with the game. It's almost like if, if he was a leader... You'd, you'd at least expect to see him with like an earpiece or something that he's, you know, been able to talk with the coaches, been able to talk with the coordinators or, you know, yeah. whatever. But you don't really see that from him. So, yeah, it's, it's interesting you mentioned that. I mean, there's um, Spiro from the New York Revival put a thing up on uh, Twitter, I think it was yesterday, where he was like, isn't that ironic that, you know, we really need somebody to stand up, yet we have 10 captains on our team. I mean, at the, at the beginning true. of the season, we said 10 captains is a lot, like a lot, a lot. The only person who's even remotely come out and said that, you know, things need to be shaken up was Dex. And I think he said that after the game Monday night, where he said, look, we might have to have some difficult conversations here. But, you know, he, Dex, Dex just strikes me as too much of a jokey, jokey person to like flip the switch. But I do imagine that when he flips the switch, if you flip the switch on me, I'll probably shit myself. So, um. <laughs> well, what is, did he say leaders got to lead? Was that was that the quote that I think I heard him say? Yeah, I think it was something like that. They absolutely, leaders do got to lead. Um, and I think do, do you go but do you go back to basics and go? Right, you are the leader on offense. You are the leader on defense, and you are the leader on special teams. And that's the that's the end of that. You know, do we need ten captains? Really? I mean, that's something we'll get into another time. But you know, it's a lot. It's a lot. But yeah, I'm I'm glad Justin's back. Um, it'll be nice to uh, to have some experience on the line and have, um, like you said, that's hopefully that person that will sort of bring them together as a key, more cohesive unit. Because at the moment, they're very much playing as individual players. Um, all right. Um, I mean, we've avoided it for 15 minutes. Um, we can't really avoid it any longer. Unfortunately, the uh, the Giants went into week four off the back of that 11-day break, which seems like it didn't have any effect on the team whatsoever. Uh, the outstanding comeback win against Arizona was followed by being walked over against um, San Francisco. Um, there was a semblance of hope going into this weekend and this week's game against the Seattle Seahawks with their injury report being longer than your average monthly shopping list. Um, and there was a chance, albeit a very small chance, but there was a chance that the team who were 1-11 in the last 12 primetime games could actually get a win under the Monday Night Football Lights. But lo and behold, that chance was well and truly blown on Monday as the uh, Seahawks came to MetLife and ran out 24-3 winners and are now 4-0 at MetLife Stadium with a combined score of 107 points to 25. That's right, we scored 25 points against the Seahawks 
in the last four home games combined. Uh, to leave the Giants and Daniel Jones with a 1-12 and primetime record um, and with the Buffalo Bills coming up in week six on Sunday Night Football, that doesn't look particularly promising. Um, the, the Giants have been outscored 64-3 to in their first two home games this season, which again is not pretty reading. Let's take a look at when the game was lost and we're not going to beat around the bush. It was that pick six. Um, from from Millen on it was that was you know extended their lead to um twenty one to three and it just sort of extinguished any sort of hope or prayer that we could even stage a comeback. Um the Giants were driving they, I, thought, I thought they put together quite an impressive um drive to in that third quarter. Um second down at the five yard line with one oh three left and a touchdown puts a lot of pressure on seat on on Seattle. It takes it, you know, within four points, uh, potentially even three points if we go for two. And then Daniel Jones does what Daniel Jones does and stares down his receiver, Paris Campbell, and Devon Witherspoon jumps in front of it and returns it ninety-seven yards for a touchdown. I mean. You watch that play back, and you just see, just you see Darren Waller is open, wide open in the end zone, screaming for the ball, and that's his. You know, this is number two read, and he just looks and stares at, at Paris Campbell the whole time. You know, even with Bobby Wagner there in coverage as well, just just doesn't move away from that first read, and look what happens. You know, it's just not good enough. Not good enough by someone who just paid an absolute fucking fortune to. You know, he should be making these. Um, should be making its more better, you know, better decisions. Shouldn't be looking down and staring down his receiver. Should be looking around the field, looking at his next option. You know, is Waller open? Yes, Waller's open. Let's get the ball to him. Um, even even Wandale had a better chance of making a play than than Paris Campbell did on that. So, not great from Daniel Jones. Um, Producer Craig, was there actually anything good to come from the game? Um. I get the joy of reliving this. I twice. said first off, there's nothing good. <laughs> you did, you did, and I did have to correct you. Now, I get the joy of reliving this twice every week because I do my articles mm-hmm. for the Full Ten Yards. Which, I'll be honest, it was um, a difficult write. That's out tomorrow morning. Uh, difficult write, um, as was obviously any planning we do for the podcast. So, as always with a game like Mondays, it is difficult to find positives. I get it. Overall, the majority of the Giants were abysmal, uh, and Shane rightly requested that he get given the bad back again after having a few weeks off. So I'll leave him to cover those. But we 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 always give credit where credit's due on the podcast, um, and there were some players that did deserve credit, despite the fact that the majority um, were poor. If the Giants are going to solve their offensive issues, there is one player that needs to be involved more, and I'm not talking about Jalen Hyatt. That man is Wandale Robinson. Robinson was on the field for 48 snaps, but was only targeted uh, six times. He had five receptions for 40 yards, and he would have had more if it wasn't for the fact that Daniel Jones's internal clock is absolutely shredded, and he decided to escape from a clean pocket because... um, one day I was doing star jumps in the backfield, really, waiting for that that ball to come to him that never did. Um, the only other player on offense you could really kind of give a... a, a I like the um, 
the Giants, why I call them uh, Studley Duds and Big Blue View, call them um, Kudos and Wet Willies. And it's kind of a K-Willy is what they call they call this, where it's kind of good and bad. But um, Matt Breeder is probably the only other player that deserves some praise. Um, he only got 14, uh, sorry, 30 yards on 14 carries, which is pretty poor. And he wasn't great in pass blocking. In fact, I think he was one of the lowest rated. But he did catch five, you know, five targets, five receptions, 48 yards, um, and had the two of the Giants' longest plays of the game, which were a pair of 22-yard catches. So um, one of them would have gone for further as well if it wasn't for the turf monster eating him up and tripping him up. So I guess Breeder gets something. Uh, defensively, weirdly, considering this was the best defensive performance of the season, statistically, there are only really a couple of players that deserve praise. Um, Kayvon. We've been screaming at Kayvon for, for weeks to, to show up. And, I mean, he did show up in a Barbie-esque pre-game outfit. But, I, I mean, it's a look. It's a hell of a look. And we said he had to do something. Like, you can't turn up like that and do nothing. And and admittedly, he did. A uh, pair of sacks. Obviously, one of them was garbage time, but it's still a second sack. Two quarterback hits, one hurry, um, two tackles for loss. Also unlucky not to have a pick six after uh, he sort of batted a pass from um, Geno Smith. He was so close, and I, th- I think that's a that's a massive game changing kind of play there if he can come down with it. Um, fellow edge rusher Az- Aziz Ojalari didn't recall quite as high numbers, but still had five hurries, uh, tackle for a loss. Um, he also caused a couple of penalties early on, but they kind of petered out. Um, and then Dexter Lawrence, who is yet this season to record a sub-80 PFF score, had three hurries, one quarterback hit, and three uh, three tackles, sorry. So, um, sorry, four tackles. So, you know, Dex is quietly being consistent. But I was listening to the Giants Insider podcast earlier, and they said, you know, they kind of expected some of our players to step up. And, you know, Dex has kind of stayed the same, if not slightly worse than he was so he's one of the players we're really looking to to kind of take the next step now we obviously spoke quite a lot over the weekend and play you know like the Cowboys game players of the game doesn't really feel right to do but you know looking at the positives could this game be the spark that Thibodeau needed Shane? Yeah you're hoping it is um probably the biggest concern for me is kind of two things number one um it was a Poor Seattle line. Everyone's banged on about how our offensive line is, you know, got injuries and battered and that. Theirs is just as bad. So you, you would kind of expect some production there. Um, but then secondly, I think you also need to think what the offence is doing. Is that going to impact Thibodeau? Because I'm not, I don't know Thibodeau and I'm just putting this out there, but he could easily kind of end up having an attitude like two sacks, sun, sun, keep saying Sunday, two sacks Monday. What was it for if the offence Corby asked? What why should I try if the, the other side of the ball lay? And, and you know, at the start of the season, I, I wouldn't have thought a Giants player could be thinking like that. But there'll be some comments that come out from some players. It genuinely wouldn't surprise me if that's kind of a, an internal thought they're having. They're never going to admit it openly. But, you know, you, you do hope that it kind of kickstarts him. And, you know, he's, he's going to be up against... Um, I don't think I don't think Miami have got the the greatest offensive line. So, you know, start putting them building blocks there and hope that he can kick on. Because you know, like you say, Dex is Dex is doing pretty well. 
he can't do it all on his own. He needs help from somewhere and he's not getting much help at the minute. He's getting that fall off Leo Williams, who you let you know just trade him, get rid of him, get rid of the contract and start building draft capital for next year potentially. But he's getting no help from him. So he, he needs help from somebody. Hopefully Tibbs and all being well if he stays fit as ease can be that help that he needs. Dan. Yeah, I think I mean like you like you said, Shane rightly, Seattle's offensive line you know, wasn't exactly good. It was banged up. I think they had one starter on on the field. So essentially it's a second string offensive line. So you'd you'd expect them to you know the, the Giants to have a, a decent showing in terms of pass rush. And they did. Like you know, Ojulari had a, a, a fairly good game. It's probably his best game of the year so far. Um obviously he's been out injured for a couple of them. Um and yeah I, th- I think this could be the, the spark that Tibbs needs and, and you know Miami this week it's 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 a big ask to beat Miami this weekend. Don't forget, they've just come off the, the back of a, an ass kicking by Buffalo, which I don't think anyone really expected. So, you know, there, there's there's potential for us to go to to go to go Miami this weekend and, and for Tibbs to sort of carry on where he left off. You know, he looked more like that explosive, hard-hitting number five overall pick that we saw um, last season. Uh, you, you know, and he was he was fairly successful. Two sacks, was it one one or two quarterback hits, two tacks for loss, something like that, wasn't it? Um, so he, he looked, yeah, they go two sacks, two quarterback hits, two tacks for loss, fantastic. You know that that's what you need from your your premier edge rusher. Um, but you just want need to see that week in week out. And now if he doesn't produce in Miami this weekend, then it's almost like he he sort of peaked against. Um, Seattle and has now had to go on and have a bad week against Miami. So you need to see him sort of consistently producing those numbers, if not better than that, which will then allow, you know, and hopefully kick others up the arse for them to start producing. And Leo Williams, I mean, I, I just, he, he, he gets paid so much fucking money to do absolutely soddle, apart from get up in players' faces and get fucking flags thrown against you. It's like, why are you even on the field? Like, I, I don't get it with Leo Williams. Um, but to answer your question, I think, yeah, it could be the, the spark that Tibbs really does need. Um, and I hope it really is as well. Yeah, it was um, something that I noticed uh, when I was looking at the stats. But he, um, in the four games that he's played in so far this season... Um, he had four coverage snaps week one, nine in week two, nine in week three. He was back down to four this past week. So I think that shows that he, you know, he, he doesn't, I don't want Thibodeau to have to worry about covering someone. I just want him to solely focus on bull rushing somebody and getting to that quarterback. Um, and, you know, that, that there is something now, this is something that you boys will get into tomorrow night and, and cover in a bit more detail. But, um, Terran Armstead is, has been already been ruled out. And that's their that's the Dolphins like big time tackle. So I'd expect Kayvon to to, to to yeah. you know to take it on. Um so yeah, and Jamie's agreeing yeah, that he go. Down, you know, the go. He does not earn his his thirty million. So mate, you um, think thirty million dollars, right? That's that's what sixteen games, so that's what two over two million dollars per game that he's getting paid. Just under what, yeah. what are you doing to earn that two million bucks, mate? Fuck all. Exactly. Um, you know, we're no. so positive right now. Should we pass on to Shane for the bad? <laughs> I mean, 
I've got a strong suspicion that this section is going to be remarkably longer than the good. So, um, <laughs> yeah, we better hand over to Shay. Yeah, and that's not a reflection on me. That's just a reflection <laughs> of the Giants and the way the game went. Um, so, yeah, Carnival would say um, you've got to go and grab a drink, go and grab a drink. If you want to pop the toilet, pop the toilet and then strap in and buckle up because it's going to be a long one. <laughs> um, so, yeah, you know, we'll start with the offence and, you know, to no surprise of anybody, there's, we're going to be covering all three phases here, offence, defence and special teams. So we'll, we'll start with the offence because last week, obviously, we spoke about um, Daniel Jones and his performance, but it was down to factors that was not his fault that hindered him a little bit. Um, but this week, he's front and centre for numerous reasons. Um, so just before we go into it, I just want to cover the, quickly cover the Seahawks' three previous games. So that played... Uh, week one, they played Rams. Matt Stafford threw for 334 yards. Week two, they played um, the Lions and Goff threw for 323 yards. And then in week three, they played the Carolina Panthers and Andy Dalton, of all people, who threw for 361 yards. Um, spoiler alert, Daniel Jones didn't come anywhere near those numbers. So what, what was the issue with Daniel Jones then? So obviously, like Craig mentioned, he missed Wondale Robinson on a third and long. Um, I don't know how he missed him. I know he's a small guy, but when he's jumping around doing star jumps, like Craig says, he's hard not to miss him. And I don't know what was going through um, DJ there. But probably the thing that's concerning on that play is that Jones abandoned what was a clear pocket. Now, is this down to him being hurt or like, like not physically hurt but mentally hurt like is he like oh shit i know what's going to happen here and he's preempting some of that's not even gonna happen because he's just so used to it he doesn't believe in his offensive lying and i can kind of understand it to a certain extent um he held on to the ball way too long um and you know 10 of the sacks that he took were attributed um uh was it 10, he took 11, no, there was 11 sacks. One was on Paris Campbell, I believe. 10 was on Daniel Jones. And I want to say four were down to the offensive line from what I've kind of read and um, video clips I've seen people putting on Twitter or whatever mm -hmm. it's called and kind of studying the film. But what, what you can't excuse either is that pick six. That was nothing to do with the offensive line. That was purely down to DJ. And I'm not being funny. When you've got a rookie cornerback after the game being interviewed on the field and the woman goes, what have you? What did you see in that? And his words are, we know that he likes to stay there in his first receiver. This is year five. Not This is not year one, year two. This is not acceptable to be year five, to be five years in and be on an average of 40 million a year. You cannot stay there in your first receiver. That's the bullshit that I do when I play Madden. But there's no pressure on me playing Madden when I do it. <laughs> Madden, I accept it. You cannot be doing it to be a professional athlete. That that play has nothing to do with the offensive line whatsoever. It's all on on Jones. And I'd, I'd, I'd just love him. And we'll never know. But I'd love to know what he actually saw. Like what made him think this is a pass that's on? you got two Seahawks there. They've got bright white shirts. They're not blending in with the crowd. What, what did you see that made you think... I can get this here because I've watched tape of you for four years and I don't think you can make that pass, Daniel. Simple as that. Um, and obviously, you know, we, we, we might as well address the elephant in the room. There is obviously the interaction with Brian Dable after that play on the on the sideline. 
Um, and I was listening to the Giants Insider podcast earlier on, and Justin Pettit made a really, really good point, and I kind of see where he's coming from. I don't think Dave's reaction was down to that throw. I think Dave's reaction was down to Daniel's body language, demeanour and attitude when he come off the field. Because Daniel didn't look up to him, didn't didn't look at him, didn't didn't seem to be acknowledging him. Dave was obviously trying to say something, and 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 Daniel's just there ignoring him, not looking at him, not paying any attention, not talking back. And I think Dave just sort of threw it, not to say I can't believe you threw that pick, but more like a, you're not even fucking listening to me, fuck yeah. And that's what I and Justin made that point, and that's what I firmly believe it was. The, the, the pick happens, whatever. I, I, I don't think the reaction was over that pick. I think that was obviously trying to get some feedback and maybe they were saying, look, what did you see? Or talk me through it. And Daniel's either just ignored him or he's either talking to him, not looking at him, which, you know, not showing a level of respect at all for your head coach. And I, I personally think that's what that was kind of down to. But, you know, we had 11 days to prepare for that game. 11 days and we put up that shit performance on offense. Let's call it what it was. Let's, let's not... Yeah, you know, you know what I mean? Like, we, we basically gave up a sack a day for the time we had to prepare. Like, that is just not good enough when you look at it like that. And, like, people are going to talk about the offensive line and drafting them. I went through the stats. So, since 2018, we've drafted 50 players. Nine of them have been offensive line, which doesn't sound like a lot, but if my maths is right, that equates to around about 18% of draft picks have been an offensive lineman. We've drafted early. We've Your drafted... math is correct. To be fair, I thank Alexa and Siri on that one. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, Love it. we've drafted offensive line early. We've drafted him in the middle range. We've drafted him in the late range. I'm, I'm done with the offensive line. I, I, I do not want to hear that. Let's draft offensive. I, I don't, I, nobody ever, ever say to me, let's draft offensive line next year. Because it doesn't work. We've drafted number seven overall, who is shit, who needs to be kicked inside because he's not a tackle. He's not good enough. You know, John Michael Schmitz is the best offensive lineman we've drafted. We drafted Will Hernandez in the start of the second round. He's no longer on the team. You've got Andrew Thomas as well. So we've had two that have actually panned out. One's gone off onto a different team. Not to mention the money we've spent in free agency. We saw Nate Solder, two stupid contracts. He was shit. Patrick Amame, shit. Mark Blewinski, shit. I don't want to be, I don't want nothing to do with this offensive line anymore. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to draft it. Just, just do whatever you do because Seattle had four starters out and they still produce something. We don't. So, you know, I, I, look, ignore the offensive line. It is what it is. I don't care. So we'll switch to the defence now. Does anyone need a breather? Anyone want to have something to get a drink? <laughs> just, just let him cook. Let him cook. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, I know, uh, I know um, Steve was looking forward to Shane's offensive line rant, but... Jesus, that was a run. <laughs> Trust me, I'm cutting this short. I could spend like, a good hour and a half on this offensive line. Like, put me in the dressing room, and like, I'll just tell the offensive line straight what I think about him. Because our best offensive, our best offensive tackle ain't a leader. You got your best offensive lineman at the moment is a rookie. You got a bust right tackle who can't play there. Let's not talk about any of the guards. But Bredesen ended up having to get to centre because he's injured. The, the geezer who shares the same name as me absolutely disgusts me. I, I wish we didn't share the same name. And then I can't wait till the other one is a free agent next year because it makes sense to cut him then and not now. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> right. 
So we'll, we'll touch mean, on the defense. What, what, more do you, what more do you need to say? What more do you need to say? We'll, we'll touch on the defense there. And compared to the previous three weeks, the. Go on Steve was expecting more, Shane. Sure, I've got a lot more, but I'm mindful that we've got to talk defense and special teams. And special teams are going to get large brunt it, as well. And we're on a time constraint. <laughs> If anyone if anyone wants to see a separate video of Shane's O line rant, let us know, and uh, we'll get him to record it and put it up on YouTube afterwards. I, I don't think it'll be good for my health. I tell you. <laughs> so yeah, look, we'll, it will we'll, be. We'll... It's good to talk. Remember, it's it's good to talk. <laughs> Sometimes I don't know. About it. Come on, defense. Let's go, Shane. Let's yeah. go. Let's the, go, defense. So obviously, like the, the, the defense played pretty well, considering the last three, the way they've been playing the last three weeks. Um. But the, the, the Noah fan catch and run pissed me off massively. Like, big time. You know, when you've got players come out giving, no, oh, we're not worried about our tackling. We, we, we're fine with tackling. You, you think so because you're tackling shit. Like, you, you, you're whipping on it, you're missing it. You know, you got Bobby Kerrike, he, he had a good game, all things considered. But he's got to make that tackle. I mean, like, if I want to go back to the very start of the game, the Kenneth Walker touchdown that got pulled back. Kerrikay made the good tackle to to kind of get him down. But obviously, Kenneth Walker rolled over, got up and just carried on running. Obviously, it was called back. But, um, but for me, Kerrikay's got to wrap that up. You can't... If he's going to bring him down, drag him down, hold him down until you get some backup kind of thing. So I'd, I'd like to see a Kerrikay wrapping that tackle up properly. And the, then there's no questions about if he was down or not. But like... Adoree Jackson, Bobby Akerika. I don't know what they were doing on that Noah fan. Like it literally got to the point where I was, I was watching. I was thinking, is this an episode of Punked? Like are they fucking, are they trying to wind everybody up and and seeing what they can do? Because you, you're professional athletes. How can you not make that tackle? And like you know, Isaiah Simmons kind of come from nowhere and just clicked him just before he, he got into the the end zone. Not that it really mattered anyway. Um, you know, all in all, the Giants had seven different players miss tackles, and all of them, apart from Adoree Jackson, are from the front end of the defence, which kind of explains Walker and, and Charbonnet getting 110 yards on 22 carries. Um, but like you say, I've got to be honest, it was an improvement from the defence. Um, yeah, Jamie, just smash the fuck out of it. He's got pads on, he's got a helmet. Smash the fuck out of him. Worst case scenario, you do a Jamal Adams, you get a concussion, and you've got medical people there to stop you getting back onto the field. But you've got pads, use them. Yeah, yeah, flag football at the end of the day. Um, but like I say, you know, the defense, I will give them credit, they did improve. I know there was some kind of frustration, especially on, on our group chat with uh, Wink sending the house on that third and long. Um, I think Dan will know what I'm referring to because Dan, we were talking about it at the time. That's Wink for you. Oh, we yeah. know. We know what we're getting with Wink. He's going to send the house. The house isn't getting there often enough. Okay. But, you know, so I can't, although it's annoying, I understand exactly kind of just what you get with Wink as a DC. And now special teams. Obviously, Graham Gano and, and Jamie Gillen have, have been pretty good. And, you know, Casey snapping the ball pretty well. So that part of special teams I'm not going to talk about. But how Thomas McGahey's still in a job today. I need that explaining. I feel like I need that explaining more than whatever Neil's at fucking right tackle because that's even more. That, they're both confusing me. But the Thomas McGahey, what he's like, 
we, it's not just this year. We've been bad on special teams for at least two seasons, and the geezer is still in charge. Now, I don't want to see people get sacked. I really don't. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a good way to look at it, Jamie. <laughs> um, Guessing, Jay. Love that. Just put that comment on again, Craig. Sorry for anyone who's who's listening and not watching this. Uh, James just said, "Wink said in the head for a while." Nail on the head. Um, but yeah, on, on to special teams. Like you, none of us want to see anybody sacked. We want to see Thomas McGay he doing well, keeping his job because he's doing what needs to be done on the field. But we had six penalties. It should have been seven. We had a myth punt from Gray who dropped it. We had a Dory back on penalty on punt returns, which is a diable issue. I don't know what he's thinking with that. Lessons have clearly not been learnt from last year. But then when a Dory is back there, he's watching some bounce at the 18 and rolling down to the three, two, one yard line. Like a Dory, you're back there for a reason. Fair catch, it's going to get to the 20 or the 25. I can't remember what it is now, but it's going to fair catch, it. it's going to get there automatically. Don't just be like, oh, what's this ball doing? Oh, it's all right, I'll get it later on. No, that's what you're there to fucking fair catch it, catch the ball. But and the thing that pissed me off the most as well, Cam Brown is Penn State. Everyone knows I love my Penn State boys, but don't be on the sideline with a fucking big grin on your face when we're 21 3 down, giving away penalty after penalty after penalty. Because other than turning around and saying in the locker room, we don't care what fans think, that's another way to piss fans off. Stand on the sidelines, smiling and grinning, laughing about it. We do it because we're fans, and it's kind of the only thing we can do to kind of put up with it. I like the Dallas game the other week. You had to laugh because it was just a joke of the stuff that was happening with it. But when you're on the sideline, in front of the fans, in front of national TV, you've got this big, stupid grin on your face. Like, fucking wipe it off because I don't know what you're laughing at, but it ain't funny. Like, I don't know got what nothing you're to be laughing about. No, exactly. And it's just like apart, apart from the fact, apart from the fact, you stood there earning fucking millions of dollars to stand there to play, run on that field every every week for what 30, 40 minutes at most, and do absolutely fuck all. Best on it, maybe is, that's yeah, why you laugh him. He's a fucking special teamer. He doesn't even be able to see a pitch for three minutes of it. So I, I, I genuinely exactly. don't know what, what he thought he was laughing. Like, say he's Penn State and Austin boy, must Penn State boys, but. Don't fucking laugh and take the piss when we're getting blown out like that. Because for me, and I know this was a discussion on Twitter, and I, I'm curious what you guys think here, that Monday was worse than Dallas. Because for me, Dallas, yet it was shit. Yet it was a blowout. Yet it was a divisional rival. But it was a game to see where are we at. Okay, we're not ready to compete with Dallas. Seattle, we should be competing with Seattle. We should be beating Seattle. We should be looking at them games saying, this is one we can win. And we didn't even look close to competing. You know, we everyone's on about, you know, can we compete with Dallas? No, we, we can't. 49ers, no, we can't. Can we compete with the likes of Philly, Buffalo, Miami? I could tell you the answer to that now. No, because we can't even compete with the Seattle Seahawks. And I'm just so thankful we ain't got to play the Chicago Bears this year because I don't know if we compete with them. That's how shit we are at the minute. But, you know, that, that's kind of, that, that's me venting, that's me breaking down the bad, kind of trying to wrap it up quite quickly. I'm, I could go on for a lot longer, but mindful that people don't want to. I think, I think you've, uh, you've vented for the, the three of us there, Shane. <laughs> <laughs> well, obviously, the one thing. I mean, we, that, could, we could go on about it for ages, I know, I know. Exactly. But the, the one thing I do want to know as well, um, obviously, I've had my thoughts on Daniel Jones in the past. I've probably not been as big a supporter as some fans have been. Um, and I'll probably say I've been Jones's 
least supporter on this podcast out of, the, out of you two and Kev. I think that's fair to say, and I won't deny that. So I'd be interested, Dan, how do you grade Jones' performances this year, and do you believe he can turn it round? If it wasn't for the Arizona game, fucking awful. Um, the Arizona game, I think it it boosts his stat line um, quite considerably because I think he was, uh, I've got the stat line here somewhere, uh, 26 of 34, 321 yards, two touchdowns and an interception in the Arizona game. So that's boosting his stat line. You take that out, his stat line reads 64 of 90, 444 yards, no touchdowns, five interceptions. He's been sacked in three games. 19 times. I mean, what more can you say about that apart from that's fucking dreadful? Uh, it, I, I like Daniel Jones as a quarterback. I think he's got, he's got a lot of talent, but he's just making some really stupid decisions. And he's, it's almost like he, grow up. Like, how have you not realized that, the like, Devon Witherspoon's come out and said, Dan Jones does that. He looks at his first, he looks at his first read and stares him down. How do you not realize that teams have realized this? And that's, they're going to, they're going to come out and beat you on that. And they're going to come out and realize that you're staring down that receiver and that's where you're going to go. How the how has he not realised that? How the coach has not realised? I don't know. But the, the interesting thing is with the stats, there's not a huge difference in comparison from this time last year to this, you know, for to now. Um, but he just doesn't look comfortable or confident behind that line. He's making wrong decisions. He looks more like a Daniel Jones we saw in the two years under Joe Judge than he does in, in last year under um, under Coach Daves. It's just so frustrating. We know how good he can. We saw how good he can be last year. Do I believe he can turn it around? I don't know. Um, I think I'm more on the fence now than I ever have been. It's he's he's being paid a hell of a lot more money, so you want him to do better and you want him to turn it around. But I honestly don't know. In all honesty, don't know. And Craig, it'll be a similar question for you, but the other one I'll throw into you as well is. How do you think the front office is feeling at the moment? Whether it's Mara, Joe, Shane, Dave, are they starting to have a similar conversation that we're potentially having? So I get the I get the joy of living on Twitter slash X. So not only do I get to read a hell of a lot of content, but I also get to delve into the Giants Twitterverse, which is about as toxic as they come. Um, and I've been a big supporter of Jones, but I did realise something, and I think this is quite telling. Um, I don't have a Jones jersey. I don't, I don't own a Daniel Jones jersey. See, and, I do. Mm, but I think, but I think I, that's. I think I just think that that's that's a, that's a big thing when it comes to trust in the quarterback. The quarterback is the biggest player on your team in the terms of the face of the franchise. Obviously, we know for us it's potentially Barkley because he's more marketable. I think Jones's biggest downfall is the fact that everyone saw him as Eli Manning 2.0 because he has the same demeanour, 
He's overcoming the overcoming the same same adversities. Um, he's in a similar spot. Eli wasn't loved by the New York media in his first few years. It took Eli to win a a Super Bowl to be able to sort of turn that um, turn that narrative around. And hell, even now, Eli's not respected by a lot of Giants fans, despite the fact he brought two Lombardis to the to the franchise. So, I think that almost is detrimental against Jones. But what I don't think helps is the fact that he just doesn't show any emotion like at all. You know, you, you listen to any interviews with him and he's kind of very stone faced and matter of fact. And yeah, we need to do this better. Other than was it the Arizona game in the, when he scored his rushing touchdown and he sort of got fired up. I think that might be the first time I've seen him properly fired up in five years. And you almost want your quarterback to be that kind of messiah and have that aura around him. And Daniel Jones just doesn't have that aura. And as much as I want to to stay with the the thought mentality of like, oh, we just need to give more to Jones. And, you know, he's getting there. And after last year, we were kind of all quite high on him. But I think it's just been eroded away by just consistent poor play. All the turnovers that he had early in his career that we stopped last year were they just masked by the play calling being conservative we now have Waller we now have Hyatt we have Wandale who could probably take the top off of an offense Shepard took the top off an offense last year against the Titans why are we running curl routes why are we doing checkdowns? because we're not confident enough in the quarterback that we've just paid all this money to we're not confident that he can make those kind of throws. He doesn't lead receivers. I'm so, I feel like I'm off the fence now and I feel like I've fallen onto the side of he's not the guy. And I do think that chances are we see him this season and we see him next season, but we pick so high in the draft that he is a stopgap as we wait for, we won't get, is it Caleb Williams? I can't remember. Caleb Williams is like the guy, isn't he? But look, you know, I've I've seen a lot of chatter about this. There are five good quarterbacks next year, and we potentially will get one of them fall to us because we'll be picking that high. I think Daniel Jones almost needs to be perfect for the rest of the season to even win over people back to liking him, let alone loving him. And I think the question needs to be that as well. He's like, he needs to be perfect, but is his confidence now shot that he's not going to be able to be perfect? He's got got zero confidence. I have the opinion that if he was to go to another team into a different kind of atmosphere, that he would probably be a serviceable quarterback. I I think we've broken him. I do think we've completely broken him. And the New York media is not the place you do that in. I mean, I think the, per- the per- perfect comparison for him is Ryan Tannehill. Obviously, he was a first-rounder that went to Miami. Never really panned out in Miami. He's gone to Tennessee now, and he's been pretty good for Tennessee over the last couple of years, last few years. Yeah. He's, he's made him a playoff team. He's taken him to the playoff. Never going to be good enough to win the one, but going to be good enough for a team like Tennessee, where the media's not got the, the, the spotlight that you have got with the New York media. I mean, you know, look at Zach Wilson. It, it's the same with him. It was the same with Sam Darnold as well a couple of years ago. Um, but I, I think, you know, Ryan Tannehill is probably a good comp for what Daniel Jones is going to be. But oh, just quick question for you, Craig. Obviously, I've not got a Daniel Jones jersey either. Have you not got one? Because 
of his ability as a player or because maybe it seems a bit seems like I'm getting deep when I say this, but deep Darren, where you never convinced he was going to be here long enough to afford like look, so for me, I've only got a Barkley jersey. Barkley's mm. a Penn State lad, and I could justify that hundred percent. Flip side, I brought an old Al Beckham jersey and he got traded 18 months later. I've never brought a Daniel Jones once. I've never been fully convinced that he was going to be the guy. I think it, it's always come down to the fact that he's been overshadowed by other players. So, you know, I'll openly admit that the two jerseys up there are both signed. I've bought those just because they're signed and they are two of my favourite players on the Giants from the last few years. I have I have multiple Eli jerseys because Eli was the man. Victor Cruz, I had a jersey of his because I love Victor Cruz. And when you go into, you know, when you have a look at a shop and you see Daniel Jones, you, you don't think, oh, I'm going to buy Daniel Jones. The first person you go to is Barkley. And I have a Barkley jersey, the standard Barkley jersey, not just that one. And then after that, Dex. I, I, I bought a legacy jersey last year. I bought Leo Williams for my sins. Um, but I'll probably still wear the Leo Williams one to our legacy game against against the Commanders. But I had the opportunity to buy Jones then, and I didn't. Is it because I've never believed in, in him? Um, no, not at all. Uh, I do think that he does stuff that makes me want to believe in him, and, and he does stuff that shows that he, he is a good quarterback in this league on his day when he wants to be. But maybe it's just the fact that He's never done anything that's made me... This sounds really, really harsh now. He's never done anything that makes me think of him. That's, it's a damning statement, but it's it, it's probably right. That's fair enough. I mean, I think for me, I think he he's shown glimpses. But he's not he's not shown it anywhere near enough. Um last year was at this point, last year was an 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 anomaly in terms of what Daniel Jones can do. Um you know, we can't use the excuse he doesn't have the weapons anymore because he's got all the weapons he needs. Um we can't we we're fed up using the excuse about his offensive line because the offensive line's been dog shit for years. So we're running out of his excuses for him. Um, and he's got a lot to do to prove. He's got a lot, hell of a lot to prove. And like Jamie said, fuck the nice guy. Fuck being the nice guy. Just come out and play nasty sometimes and just play with a bit of desire and a bit of passion. I mean, like I said the other night, he just he just sits there on the, on the sideline. No passion, no enthusiasm, no fire in his stomach because you know anyone any quarterback throws a pick a 97 yard pick six they're kicking themselves absolutely kicking themselves he just sits there on the sideline doesn't care really what dave's are saying to him he just sort of sits there and shrugs his shoulders and oh well on to the I, next one i'm getting i'm getting thought, my money i do have a thought on that um i i, I think i think in that instance it's almost like shell shock and it's not it's not a case of Maybe. him not him not caring. I, I'll never say that he doesn't care because that I've never I, that he's never shown that. But what I will say is, oh, I just think like, yeah, I just think after after you've taken ten sacks, 
it's kind of like you know you've just got the shell shock you've just got that tone in your ear just completely just just monotone I, 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 it wouldn't surprise me if he didn't respond to Dable because he was just sat there, probably battered, and just thought to himself, concussed. Yeah. He was just like, what the fuck am I doing? Like, but then the flip side to me is you're a £40 million paying quarterback. You shouldn't be getting shook. That, not that easy. And six six of those sacks that he, that were, that he unfortunately went through weren't on the offensive line like we discussed. So he he can't he can't go you know granted being sacked ten times is gonna hurt and it's gonna be horrendous mm. and you are gonna like like you rightly said Steve he looks deflated but you know when you've got eighty thousand people around you in the in the stadium like coming in and paying good money every week and you've got millions of fans around the world watching every week you know surely you've got to see that you know there are people that that want you to do well. You know, it, we don't all hate on on Daniel Jones. I mean, sometimes we do, but we don't always. So he's he's got to realise that you know there's there's a lot riding on his shoulders, and you know we 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 just, like Jamie said, we just want him to succeed. That's all we want. We want him to succeed, even if he doesn't win a Lombardi Trophy, doesn't win a ring. All we want is to, him to succeed and do well as a Giants quarterback, and he's not doing that at the moment. Um, and it's 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 really disappointing. And I've, I, you know, the, we could go on about Daniel Jones for for hours and hours and hours and hours and hours, um, but we're not going to because you know we're mindful of time. But let us, you know, let us know what you think about Dan Jones. Get in touch with us, um, and you know, give give us your give us your opinion because you know we like to talk. Um, all right, then we've done the good, we've done the bad. I mean, it's time for the ugly, really, isn't it? What the feagles? All right, it's uh, it's what the feagles time. Um, let's start off with a couple of tweets from last night, then, shall we? Uh, firstly, there are two teams who haven't run an offensive play with a lead this season. The first of those is the New York Jets. The second of those is the New York Football Giants. Um, yeah, that's not good reading, is it? Next up, the Giants have the worst point differential of minus 76 in the NFL through four games. Yes, that's worse than the winless Bears. And yes, that's worse than the Denver Broncos, who gave up 70 points to our next opponents, the Miami Dolphins. Um, both absolutely horrific statements and statistics. And as poor as the players are playing... Um, some of the blame has to land on the coaches, surely. Uh, Mike Kafka's play is uninspiring, unimaginative. Yet again, Dave's was out with a play sheet in the second half. So, did he take over? Is he going to say, no, I didn't take over again? Um, Wink's defense is getting better, but he just, the missed tackles is just, is, is still an issue. And Thomas McGahee, well, you're shit. <laughs> the thing that binds all these together, though, is Coach Dable. And I think somehow he needs to get the team in check and, and, and get them in check fast. There's no fight. There's no grit. There's mixed messages from players. And that aura of fun that we had last year, the aura of we are a team, we're all together, we play for each other, is that it's, not, it's non-existent. It's frustration. It's sloppiness. It's 
it's almost like half-assed attempt at, at making a tackle or half-assed attempt at running a route or half-assed attempt at making a block. You know, there is no real fire or hunger or anything in the, in any of the team. Um, and unfortunately, for us as fans, it's hard to see where it stops, really. Um, you know, in the last two weeks, we've had Tibbs and X um, come out and say they only care about what's being said in the locker room, whereas... Uh, Darren Waller and Darius Slayton have said the fans deserve better. So, mixed messages. How fractured is the team right now, Craig? <laughs> Shane's just brought something to to my attention. Um, I was going to let him do it, but I'm literally reading it on my phone right now. Um, Evan sure. Neal. Evan Neal has just said, "I dare my critics to boo louder as he blasts Fairweather fans as sheep." Why would a lion concern himself with the opinion of sheep? The, the person that's commenting on my performance, what does he do? Flip hot dogs and hamburger somewhere. I don't even want him at guard. Get him off the team. Get him out of that. I, like, I'm sorry, but wow. the... Wow. Yeah. X and Tibbs have performed enough on the field for them to maybe maybe get a pass or maybe be misconstrued. Evan Neal, you've played like shit since you've come into this league. You are the worst right tackle in the league. In fact, I think you were lower than, th- you know, than some of the backup tackles last year. I don't think provoking fans is going to go down well for you. Now, he could have been misquoted, but they seem like pretty solid statements. and. Um, yeah, I don't think that's going to go down with uh, other Giants fans very well at all. I mean, even Dan Duggan has tweeted out and Dan has said, oh boy, this is not the smart approach for a player in Neil's position. Um, what was the question? Because I was distracted as hell by that. Because All right, how fra- how fractured is the team? Because there's clearly <laughs> loads of mixed comments coming out. <laughs> Exhibit A, Your Honour. <laughs> there we go. There we go. Um, that says it all. I mean, you don't even need to answer that question. That says it all. Realistically, doesn't it? I mean, Shane, I'm gonna just gonna pass over to you. Um thoughts on those comments by Evan Neal. I mean, it's obvious Evan Neal doesn't really give a fuck what I think, because you know, what what you're do I do? You're flipping yeah, burgers, what, mate. What are but if he wants to piss off me or any other Giants fan, tell you what, you're a lot better at pissing Giants fans off than you am at fucking Blocky. I know that much. Um, you know, absolutely ridiculous comments. That the, the comments that someone in Evan Neal's position should not be made. You've not played even remotely good enough. You probably didn't even play good enough at college to make that kind of comment. Um, you know, he's just a fucking dickhead, isn't he? Let's let's just not pull. Like, well, like you say, it could be misquoted. But mean, could be the articles from um, NewJersey.com, who I don't know my American news, yeah. I believe they're quite reputable. Um, NJ.com, you know, yeah. It, 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 is a, it is behind a paywall. I have tried to do it. <laughs> Go on, Jamie. Oh, he no, he doesn't know how to block people. If um, it, it is behind a paywall, so I can't see all of the comments I have. I have tried. It's just kind of been what what's been highlighted. But when you got someone like Dan Duggan who's reposting it with quotes uh, with his thoughts on it, you'd obviously 
think that there's something legitimate kind of behind it. Um, but I, I just don't know what what he's thinking. Why, why does that seem like a good idea? Like, you know, just, just shut what? your fucking mouth and get on the field and play. The way he's given, he's not going to be on the field. The way he's given, he's not going to be in the league in in two years. He's going to be out, out because. I mean, if you're Coach Dable, do you fucking question him on that and be like, what the fuck are you saying, man? Have some respect. Have some respect for those people that come in and watch you every week and paying your fucking wages. Have some damn respect for them. In all honesty, I'm questioning the whole team about it. To me, there should be a team meeting. And I, I keep going back to this comment, and I, I keep I keep thinking and I keep saying it on here that something's not right with his team, and I just think something needs not. to be aired out between them. And I don't know what I don't know. Like I said, I don't know what it is. It might be absolutely nothing. I might be trying to make a story out of nothing, uh, but something just doesn't seem right, especially compared to the, the New York Giants team that we saw only twelve months ago. Um, but yeah, for me, like they, they need to just air out whatever whatever it is they need to to air out. Um, they need to stop talking to the media potentially. Maybe you put a ban on them. Maybe you only let certain players speak, players that seem to know how to handle the media. You know, I mean, I mean, know, we, we're Evan, Daniel Neil, Evan Neil can't handle a fucking on, on Russian fucking def- defender, let alone the fucking re- media. He sure as hell you know, handled get your, house, uh, get, your ha- get your house in check first before you start talking. He sure as hell handled Darren Waller really well when he blocked Darren Waller off of an on Russian defender. Isn't it? You know what it reminds me of with Evan no. Neal? I, I literally feel like with Evan Neal, it's like that skit, you know, with Anton Deck where they say, okay, now do this. And he's giving, <laughs> they block your own player. Okay, then. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's, it literally, I, I, just don't, I, I just don't know. But like, I, I think probably the first thing I've done. Right, I, think, I, think I think that's trumped our what the Feagles is fucking Evan Neal's comments there. What the fucking Feagles is that, Evan Neal? I think for me, they probably need to turn around and say, okay, these people are the only ones who speak to the media at the minute. And that should be Dex, Saquon, DJ. DJ doesn't say anything. I'd rather not fucking say anything than than say that. You know, DJ's been questioned, like, oh, why did you run it on third and 11? Misread, misheard, whatever. He's given an answer. He's not gone, well, I'll see what it really concerns people for. He's not. Yeah. He's not answered like a dickhead. He's just answered it in a way that you you probably want him to answer. But yeah, th- th- there's obviously some certain players obviously aren't on the same page. And like you know, even McKinney. I know what Craig says about um, he's had the um, he's produced hmm. two years ago. Yeah, like like McKinney's comments after the game. Like it's hmm. just. Hands in heads, Mark. Look, do you not have a media PR team that tell you how to speak to people and speak to the media? Know, right? What you should say, what you shouldn't say. Because number one, first thing you should never ever say is basically in a nice way, fuck the fans. That's fuck what I'm the saying. Fans, exactly. Let's yeah, be honest, that's what I'm turning around and saying in a nice way. We don't yep. care about their opinion. Um Craig, I don't know who it was, or I seen someone made a comment earlier on saying um that they're asking us to bring the noise and then we bring it in that turning around and say we're ignoring the noise noise or something like that someone put that comment earlier on i can't remember who it was yeah uh it was jamie i think let me see if i can find it um i thought that was a great yeah outside noise you ask us to bring the noise we do you flop and then we get told you're blocking it out bang on point which is it do you want the do you want the noise or do you not want the noise 
because it seems like you don't know yep. what you want at the minute. Um, yep. And I think I think the 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 thing that was really really telling from this weekend was the fact you saw the return of the brown paper bag brigade. You know, fans in the stands in week four with brown paper bags over their head says not again on the front of it. Yeah, it's not a good sign, sign, is it? Nah, no, it's really not a good sign. And like, Um, the last thing I'll say on it as well, McKinney, keep doing what you do, mate, because you're playing yourself off the team. You're not going to be. I I was going to buy his jersey, and I'm really fucking glad that I die in there because I don't believe he's going to get a second contract, not unless he sort of plays the way he did his first year and a half, two years. I know this is um, this is kind of you know we're just rolling on here, but there's so much there's so much to talk about, and when you talk about McKinney. Um, there was a point that was made in the off season about this whole, where you know when the Bar- uh, Barkley and Dex contract talks were were in the media, where they said this disease of me, and we all laughed it off, and we all saw it. Do you think? Do you think that's starting to creep in now? Do you think that McKinney's now like, well, fuck you, you you're not giving me the contract that I think I deserve, and then you've got Neil, who's obviously now taking offence to the fans. Wallace obviously got some kind of frac practitious relationship with Jones because he doesn't feel like he's getting the ball enough. Barkley could quite easily step back and turn around to the head off, uh, to the, the front office, the shading, turn around and go, well, you're giving him all this money. Look at what you've given me. Look what's happening now. I'm not on the field. Do, do you think that this disease of me is starting to creep in now? Because uh, it, it could be, I mean, th- this could be explosive. This could be the spark that, that we literally see it explode from the inside out because it is not looking pretty. I think if it carries on the way that it's going at the minute, it, it's very much soon going to be a case of the house is on fire. That that that's where I see it getting to, and it's a full tear now. And like, you know, it, it's going to be a conversation we're going to have maybe at the boy week, maybe in the off, more than likely in the off season. But the Joe Shane and Brian Dable going, you know what? We had a good strength schedule last year. We got into the playoffs. We fluked it. We saw what we've really got last year. Let's tear this down. Let let's let's because it should have been a rebuild last year, but we kind of got to the point where we never really rebuilt as such because we kind of got to the playoffs and it was okay. Well, it's given us a false sense of hope as to where we think we are as a team. We're a team that you know maybe a few more signings we can compete with the likes of Philly and Dallas. We, we're not gonna. We we can't do it. And if it carries on, you're potentially ending up with a top ten, more than likely a top five draft pick. Do you just tear it all down and say, you know what, let's do the rebuild that we should have done in year two, essentially. We, we started it in year one, and I kind of feel like they've not really carried on with the rebuild. They've kind of, they've found themselves at this position where they're like, we need to rebuild, but we got to the playoffs last year. So is this team maybe not as bad as what we think it is? And like I say, it'll be a conversation we'll have in the bye week or in, in the off-season. Um but yeah, exactly. You know, we can't have a good year and then follow it with a poor year because you're never gonna, you're never really gonna reset properly. You're always gonna reset, do something, and then it's gonna be okay. Full sense. Let's elevate somewhere. Um, yeah, I yeah. mean, it was the same. It was, a, it was. A, yeah, I mean, it was, it was similar on the, the the Joe Judge year one. It was a case of, oh, maybe we're not as bad as we thought we were. And then year two of Joe Judge came around, and no, we were fucking awful. And yeah, maybe it's maybe it is that. Um, you know, Dave's and Shane have got a lot of the work to do, um, and you know, 
I still trust in Joe Shane. I still trust in Brian Dable. I think Brian Dable is a fantastic coach, and I think he's got a, you know, a hell of a lot of experience and a hell of a lot to offer this team. Um, I just don't think we've got the squad in place at the moment, and you know, we'll, we'll you know we'll see how the rest of the season goes. But at the moment, it's uh, it's not looking particularly rosy. Um, but that's the will say. I listened to the Giants podcast earlier on, and old Craig did as well. And um, if anyone doesn't listen to him, honestly, go, go and give the guys a listen. Like joining side, I, yeah. I, I was part of the live watch party with that Jerry did on YouTube on Monday night, which thrown in with talking to Dan and Kev whilst we were watching the game. It kind of helped watching the game, in all honesty, because you know there's nothing worse than watching the game when you're shit and you've got no one to kind of conversation we've talked about things so it was quite good doing that but um that chris was saying that um you know things in things were pretty tense in the building um uh, monday mon yeah. no tuesday because the game was Monday. Yeah, night. Tuesday, yeah tuesday says, yeah yeah he says it was he says things were quite tense all the way up in the building now you know because that, that i'm not that's just what Chris has said. Chris is really, mm. Chris is absolutely great. And he, he's on the spot and he's in the locker room every week. And, you know, he hears things. And if he's saying that, that's not a good sign. That That is not a good sign for me at all. If things are, if, if mm, things are no, tense all weeks into the season, what's it going to be like after 8, 12, 16 weeks? Don't forget, we haven't got a bye till, was it week 12, week 13? Week thirteen so is after be, it's after after we're in New York. Yeah. December third. Yeah. The weekend of December third. Yeah, that's so, I think it, yeah. is it the, they got the, is it the Packers game and then the boy, I think, or is it the Patriots game and then the boy? Patriots by Patriot Packers. Boy. Yeah. So you know, we could by the bye week at least have an idea of uh Maybe you know. Maybe we are will be in a rebuild by that point. We, we yeah, remains to be seen. Um, yeah, the twenty twenty three New York Giants. What the Feagles? Sorry for the ranting. <laughs> what the Fe what the what the Feagles? Um, it's it's going to change and it's going to carry on going. It's going to carry on evolving. But those comments by Evan Neal. Oh dear! Oh dear! Oh dear! All right. Um, we could go on forever, but unfortunately, that is all we've got time for this evening. Uh, we will be back. In less than 24 hours' time, uh, as I mean, I don't know if we're looking ahead, we're looking forward to, to week five um, at the Miami Dolphins. Um, but we're certainly going to preview the game anyway. <laughs> I don't know, yeah. don't know whether we can look forward to it at the moment. But yeah, we're going to preview the game um, against Miami tomorrow evening. So looking forward to getting back on and carrying on this therapy session as, uh, as it's been this evening. Um, anything else to add before we go, guys? Um, just following on from what you said at the start of the episode, obviously we've got the Washington meetup in a, in a couple of weeks. I know the team's shit at the minute, and I know it's not fun watching the game, but the one thing that is fun is watching it with other fans. You know, Washington fans are going to be turning up apparently, so number one, let's not get outnumbered by them. You know, they're, they're the Washington commanders. Let, let's not let them beat us off the field before the game's even started on the field. But number two, genuinely, like one of the like I said, I did the live watch party. I was talking to Dan and Kev during the episode on uh, during the game on Monday night, and although it was a shit game, it was fun. I don't know if that's the right word. I don't know how else to explain it, but it was just it much. Ma it makes it more bearable. 
Yeah, it makes it more bearable being able to talk. So, like, I was talking to other Giants fans on the Giants Insider stream. Jerry was giving us a shout-out, telling people to follow us. We were venting between myself, Dan and Kev. So, you know, I know things are really shit and, it, you know, it looks pretty poor at the minute and we're more than likely going to be 1-5 and five potentially. But, you know, still still come along, come and have a few beers. Meet us if you've never met us. Uh, never met us. Sorry, that's the yam yam in me coming out. Um, <laughs> that's, yeah. that's the yam yam, not the brummy in him, right? <laughs> Thank you, Dan. Um, but yeah, look, so, you know, all, all four of us are going to be there. Kev's not on tonight, but Kev's going to be there as well. We've got a great venue. It's right by the train station. We've booked, got hotels booked and that. So genuinely, although the team might be shit on the field, Come down, have a few beers, chat, socialise with us, and you know if you if you want me to rant about old line for the night, who am I to let people down? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Give what they want. Uh, yeah, I I can just just reiterate that everything that Shane said that that meet up is almost like a live therapy session if you're into it. So uh, <laughs> you know we can um, we can we can just have a bit of fun. You know, like, like we said, it's not going to be, um, it might not be enjoyable. It might not be an enjoyable few weeks, uh, but it would be nice just to meet people, um, just to hang out. You know, as much as we get the opportunity and we're very privileged to do this, we are just like you. We're just fans. Um, we get pissed off. Um, you know, we're related with the team. We support the team. We probably have very similar opinions to you. And if we don't, we're always happy to chat and to hear the other side. Um, we've we've all had similar opinions on here for the last few weeks on preview shows. Me and Dan seem to be differing. That won't happen tomorrow as I sub myself out for Kev because I won't be here. But, um, you know, it's always nice just to talk anything Giants with anybody, um, even if you have a very, very weird and wonderful opinion. <laughs> I mean, we, we've all we've all got some of them, but yeah, no, it's. I mean, we 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 will support the team through thick and thin. You know, it's 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 you know we're going through some bad times at the moment, but it doesn't mean we still don't we don't love this team. Um, we, we'll support them through the good times, the bad times, and everything in between. So, yeah, talk you know, chatting Giants football is is something we all have a passion for, and we absolutely love doing. Um, both on this platform and in person as well you know we 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 would love to we love to meet um as as many giants fans as possible and, and talk giants football with you guys you know it might not necessarily be a a positive thing that we're talking about but it's it's good to vent it's good to talk and it's you know it's a way of sort of you know going through a bit of therapy in terms of getting it out and and letting it out and being able to talk about it and finding out you know different opinions and um, what other people think as well. It's, it's all part of the, it's all part and parcel of what we do. So, you know, looking forward to that in two weeks' time. Um, it's going to be a great night. We're all going to be there, and we hope to see as many of you there as possible. Don't forget to, um, if you are coming, let us know. Um, comment on our post, and we'll get your name on the uh, the shortlist, and you'll be in with a chance of winning some some merch or a, a gift voucher for USA Sports. Um, you can use the, the code Big Blue uh, to get fifteen percent off at usasports.co.uk as well. Uh, and don't forget as well, check out our Etsy store, etsy.com forward slash Big Blue UK IRL. You can get yourself some podcast merch from there as well and support the cause because uh, you know we do this, we do this for fun, we do this because we enjoy it and we love it, and it's and it's 
you know a, a, a huge thing for us to see um people having our, our our logo and our badge and um everything on their in their living rooms while they're having their morning cup of coffee after losing to the Seattle Seahawks when we should have beat them um it's, it's a huge thing and we we absolutely love it so if you want to get yourself some of that merch then uh, head on over to our Etsy shop also if you haven't already make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel hit the bell to get the latest notifications and updates um Therapy is no longer in session, lads. We'll see you tomorrow evening. Craig, have a good one off, and uh, we'll catch you next week. But my thanks go to you both as ever, um, and to you, the viewers and listeners, for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed the therapy this evening. We're signing off until next time. Let's go, Giants.